0: Hi, let's see, it's a Thursday afternoon, midday, more or less, and uh, I'm going to try to do the Parsha today, um, because hopefully we'll get out for the overseas crowd. Uh, plus, it's also true that today's podcast sponsors, which are the Pollock family from Columbus, Ohio, as I mentioned before, so he wrote me this was in honor of two simplists, and one of them is today, on April the 8th, which would be the 18th birthday of our granddaughter, Tick Vester. Pollock in West Orange, New Jersey. So happy birthday to Tikfa Esther Pollock. That's very nice, right? That's nice. Uh I don't think I ever was in West Orange, or maybe once. Uh whatever the case is, we're looking at as we know a partial shamini which are the big stories of the death of None of and the Kashes and all that business. And as soon as you get down to Not of avio by the way, we don't have any sponsors for next week. So I'm hard of I'm surprised it's already Thursday. And next week is uh, Slim Pickens, so I hope somebody will be inspired over this weekend to uh, come up and, uh, and volunteer to sponsor something. <laughs> I hope. Well, we'll see. Anyway, to get back, not even a viewer this week, and uh, you know, it's it's a strange story in the sense that we're not told what exactly happened. Uh, even the language we're told in the Chumash is not exact because it says something like "Vatei some which sounds like that they were burned by fire. So that would be quite a dramatic scene. Here you are on the eighth day of the Yabayam Shmini of the Miluam, and it's inauguration day, and it's right in the middle of the uh, festivities, and two people get burned by fires that come down from the heaven. (coughs) Wow. Um, I don't even know those terms mean, but let's say come down from the sky. You understand what I'm saying? This is where you get the philosophically fascinating kind of discourse. How can a fire come, you know, from the heavens? The heavens is not a physical place. So you're talking about transcending um, zones. And that's already very, very tricky. It's fascinating. Fascinating, but it's always very tricky. You understand what I'm saying? It doesn't mean the sky, it means the heavens. But whatever the case, I don't have the Chumash in front of me, but you know the story like I know the story. But it doesn't even matter because the Chazal tell us, uh, very famously, that their goof was actually not burned at all. The neshama was burnt. Now listen very closely. The neshama cannot be burnt. It's an oxymoron. Why? Neshama is not physical. Fire is physical. Simple as that. You get it? The neshama is a real thing. After all, I'm I'm walking. I'm talking. Next to me is a dead person, is a stick of flesh, is a piece of dead meat. So obviously, there's a life force animating me at this moment. Otherwise, I wouldn't be speaking and so forth. <clears throat> but you cannot identify its location. This is the question of the soul. Which is preoccupied thinkers, you know, with wonder and fascination for a long, for a long, long time, uh, because you know, the soul is like an inter. It, listen, I'm telling you my opinion. I understand. I don't know everything. I'm just the way I'm at this stage of confusion in my life. This is my thoughts. Um, there's the metaphysical. There's the physical, and then there's stuff that kind of flits back and forth. So, let's say my soul, me, me, myself, and I. Uh, you know where it is in the sense it's in my—I don't say it's in my body, but you can locate it's in me. It's—it's it's not away from me, you know. If I'm standing on this side of the street and you're standing on the other side of the street, my soul is on my side of the street, <clears throat> and yet, even though it's kind of located with the goof, sort of, I can't use the word location in a typical way because there's no specific spot that you can identify. Where's the Nishama? in my nose? In my heart, they used to think it's in the heart, but now the heart's just an organ. You know that they know the shaman in the heart can't open up the heart and say, "Oh, we found the, the soul," or any other part of the body, interior, or exterior. So it's funny. I'll repeat: Stam metaphysics means there's something that exists, but you can't see it or uh, or locate or, or locate it because it's not subject to time and space. So one can at least philosophically postulate that there are realities which are metaphysical. They're not subject to the limitation of physics. And intellectually, I can cop that, the existence of such things, and so can you. But that would mean that they exist in a a completely different zone of reality. That doesn't mean it's not real, but it's a different zone of reality, which is not one that's measurable by typical standards, and certainly not by the physical and the other one. So if I say there's a, a heaven or a hell, it's not a place. It's a metaphysical reality. It's a Messias, but the metaphysical is a reality. Where is it? You're not going to find it, not with your eyes. You're not going to find it. But that does, just because I don't find it doesn't mean it's not there. Now that's your typical metaphysical type Zah. Now I'm going to contrast that with the soul. The soul's not all over the place. The soul is somehow in me, although it's not in me. You see, you see the paradox I'm talking about. My soul is where I am, but it's not in any particular noticeable part. I think these observations caused thinkers long, long ago, even before the was came out, you know, to speculate on the immortal soul or something like that of the human. You can do this with a behemoth as well, but, you know, you can. And in the Middle Ages, there were discussions among the philosophers. If I remember correctly, I think Sadigon held that animals had the neshamas, and all that sort of thing. And uh, that's before that reason came around and really complicated that subject. So uh, leave that as it may. But the soul is, nevertheless, able to be identified with some general location, meaning me, my goof, but not in a specific location, so that you can get a hold of it or do something to it and all the rest of it. It's somehow intertwined with my goof. I've kid a cock that if you shot me or you, you, know, you went and did something, chopped off somebody's head, there wouldn't be a soul there anymore. So you're able to do something physical, get rid of the presence of the soul, But maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. The reason I say it is not out of a sense of modesty. But, you know, there's that famous gemara, you don't know what it means, with the witch of Endor when King Saul, before his death, the night before the Battle of Geboa, is inquieted, and he goes to a uh, a balas ov, goes to the witch in Endor. And, um, you know, she brings up the soul of Shemal and of Samuel, correct? And, uh, uh, And the gemara. It's a major Topic of mafushim. The Gemara says that for the twelve months after a person dies, the neshama rises and descends to the goof. And they can't mean it physically. On the other hand, they can't mean it in a non-physical way either. So when you get to the subject of the soul and the goof, it's uh, it's very tantalizing, at least in my opinion. And I'm saying that because we're told in this week's parsha that none of the navi who are the two heroes or perhaps the anti-heroes goof on kaiim the Shmos and the Shrefus, so, it was a fire that burned their souls. Well, one thing is for sure. No matter how much physicality you can ascribe to the soul, it can't be burnt, right? Not by the fire. And so, what I'm saying is that what happened was the two guys just dropped dead. Right? They were in the uh, Mishkan and so forth, so forth. They they brought in a, a, a strange fire and then they dropped dead. That's how we would observe it from an empirical point of view. If you want to know how the Chumash describes it, Goof Kaim the So uh it's a strange death, okay? Because uh it's not a regular fire. So it's a mushel. Uh it happened, but not in the physical direct way, like I took a blowtorch, like in World War II, you know, and, and, and took a turd in the shamba. It doesn't go like that. I want to be clear. So it's a fascinating um phrase. Goof why? kaim Now, why? What did they do wrong? As I'm sure you know, you don't need me to tell you, the Mefarshim split into two schools, some of which say they died because they were too holy, and the other one said they died because they were sinners. That's the two schools of Chazal. The language is extremely ambiguous. Moshe Rabbeinu says, Bikrovaya Kodesh, while Pnei Bikrovaya Kodesh could mean, I mean, that's not easy to understand either, but, you know, Bikrovaya Kodesh can simply mean, I, God, will be sanctified By killing the holy ones. The ones near me. On the other hand, that's a very ambiguous phrase. It could mean those who try to get too close to me. In the sense that, you know, they they, they go where they shouldn't go. Bikrovai. I mean, that's a very, kind of a modernistic. But I think it's a very good shot. You know, they try to think they can offer an Eish So they know how to get to Hashem better. You get it? Now Hashem told Moshe, do the carbon this way. And the fire that way. And they want to do better. But shot Shabekro Kadesh means those who are holy. Those who are near Hashem. In the spiritual sense. And after all, Moshe is saying this, it seems, as an attempt to comfort Aharon. Correct? Aharon just had a terrible tragedy. Two sons were killed. Two. And Moshe was saying, what's cause of their holiness? You know, I can—I mean, I hear that. You hear that. The story makes sense. So then you say like this, Oh, they were Uh high Could be. On the other hand, there's another school of thought that says, very fascinatingly, that they were sinners. Either they were drunk or more rabo. You know how did they go? Um, or some say it's because they ate had a picnic back in Har Sinai, back in Parshat Kisitza. Right? That's the litvishim shot. That you know, you don't you don't make a kiddush when you're standing by the Shekhinah. The Hasidim shot is oh, it was high madrega. They they made a kiddush when they were by the Shekhinah. Uh, <coughs> a couple of years ago before my kids thank God I got married off my daughter so you know the one always I zeroed in was it says in the Meddash they were shachsanim. Uh they're too arrogant they they never got married because no girl was good enough for them No, was they had what you call yichas problems what do you mean yichas problems ich bin benonken kadoshim listen it doesn't get bigger than that this is even bigger than the bells of Rebbe you know <laughs> You're, they, the Meddash says this my father is Aaron my uncle is Moshe my mother's is Eli I mean, come on. You know, Ich bin over here. And there's no girl that could possibly come within 10 miles of my Madrega. <coughs> this is fascinating. I'll tell you why. And, and by the way, they were punished for this. According to that mom this was the sin for which they were punished. <coughs> now, what does that mean? It's like a muservart. You understand? People have assets in life. Some are born with that. Some are people are born in rich families and some are not. Some people are born good-looking, some are not. You know what I mean. Those kind of things. Uh, Some yes, some no. The question is, how do you treat them? What do you do with them? Okay? Now, the trick in life is always to use what you have in the best possible way. So, to use fancy language, everything is a nissan. Poverty is a nissan. Wealth is a Nisayan. They're not the same types of nissan's, right? Poverty, you're suffering so much, you say... God is not just, or there's no God, or something like that. Which, you can hear, and you can't attack anybody for it, because you never walked in their shoes. To suffer terrible poverty and hunger is a terrible thing. Especially, you know, if it's your family, your kids, all the rest of it. There's a zillion people, they went off to Derech, back in Europe, and Eastern Europe, especially in Galicia, 100 or 120, 130 years ago, people don't want to talk about it, because of the grinding poverty that led the kids to leave the home. The girls all ran off. And being prostitutes is a terrible you know. So, you can't judge anybody, okay? It is what it is. Um, wealth is a different type of Nisayan, correct? Wealth is a different type of Nisayan. Now, in the case, so the question is like this a person has to, at some point in their life, sort of make a tote, you know, tote up a sheet and say, What are my pluses? What are my minuses? It's not so easy to do that, but everyone can do it if you're intelligent enough to be listening to a podcast on abstract matters. Now, um, you have your pluses, you have your minuses. You have kochas, and you have non kochas uh, I have kochas in history. I don't have kochas in math. Matter of fact, I don't have kochas in putting things together. That's why I rely on children and grandchildren. Okay. On the other hand, some things I have kochas in. So that would be nothing but an honest toting up two columns, what are my pluses or what are my minuses. To give one example of many, obviously. (laughs) Okay? Now the question becomes like this. What do you do with that list? What do you do with that list? So, one can be a narcissist. It's like this. Oh, I have ten kochas. Right? I'm tall, dark, handsome, good-looking, this, that, and the other. i got yichas. I'm rich, and and, and so on and so forth. Wow, look at me. And it's possible to go through life like that. Uh, Did I tell you this? There's a book out... Oh, by this journalist, what was her name? Dorothy Thompson or something like that. She's visiting Romania in the late 1930s. She was a journalist, and <laughs> she had she was a, they didn't have street lights and they had traffic cops, and both traffic cops were were tall, dark, and handsome Romanians, and they're both looking at mirrors and admiring themselves, much like Narcissus in the Greek mythology, while the cars <laughs> were crashing into each other because they weren't doing their job, doing the red light and the green light and the other kind of stuff. So that's a muscle, you know, that really happened, but I'm just saying, look, Romania, what do you expect? But uh <laughs> the the fact is that they endowed with all these qualities, endowed with all these cochas, but they simply you know admired them like an object of art. Okay. It is of course possible to do that, and uh and many do. <clears throat> On the other hand, from the from perspective, from the Torah perspective. What does the pluses and the minuses mean? That's how you're supposed to intelligently go about your Avodah Hashem. That's interesting what I'm saying. This is like a Masil Sisham type vart. You have to say, one of my pluses and one of my minuses, and then find out, you know, how that should intelligently inform your your Shema, your, your Avodah Hashem. <clears throat> There's a famous Rambam, I'm sure you know this, where he says, And what does that mean? And the Rambam says, uh, I'm going by memory here, you know, in, in the mission over there. Um, no, I'm sorry, that's the way the Rambam has it. God liked Israel so much, he gave him a lot of mitzvahs. So, the plain meaning is, God shows His expression by giving a lot of rules. Okay, you end up with the Rambam. It's a more intelligent explanation. And he said like this, Rasa Kodesh Baruch L'Zachiz Yisro, God wanted to be Mizaka K'Lal Yisro. He wanted every Jew to have a shot in getting into heaven and doing well. Therefore, he made a lot of different types of mitzvahs so that you can find the one that works for you and you can excel in, given your kochas and your weaknesses. Okay? That's a a more intelligent shot as far as I'm concerned. I believe it's in the Rambam P'Rish Mishnahis, I think. Rasa Kodesh Baruch L'Zachiz Yisro, So if he wants to be Mizaki Yisrael, he can't tell everybody, be a history major. And he can't tell everybody, Daven at and Esra in the morning for an hour and a half. Not everybody's built that way. You get it? You can't be Mizaki Yisrael if you have one Mitzvah and one standard for everybody. Rather, you have to have hundreds of Mitzvahs. And everybody's supposed to then find the one that which they can excel in. Some people can excel in learning. They can. Other people, let's get honest, they can't excel in learning. They never will. You get it? You already know in the tenth grade. This person is not going anywhere. I mean, ain't double rumbibs near I get that, but listen, this person is not going anywhere. They're not gonna be a big deal. On the other hand, I can look at this person in tenth grade or wherever and say, This person is going places and learning. So we're not all the same. So you can't expect you know, it wouldn't be Mazaka Crull. You'd only that would only be Mazaka the smarties. It wouldn't be Mizaka the dummies, you see? <laughs> On the other hand, you know what I'm saying that person can excel in chesed or whatever. You know, whatever the particular item is. Correct? You know, some people can stand the sight of blood. Others cannot. The person who cannot stand the sight of blood can never be, do chesed, you know, in Hatsala work or anything like that because they'll throw up. You see? And the other person is endowed with the koach that it doesn't bother him or her and they can excel in that area. That's not a simple part. Okay? But it bespeaks an entire philosophy. The philosophy is that every is, is the philosophy a little bit of a of a business person. sometimes you find in Chazal, you know the philosophy of business people that's because many of the great rabbis were businessmen, okay on you know that's not all they did, but they were business people. It's interesting to go through Jewish history as sometimes I do on the biography podcast and look you know which person was a rabbi, and that's all they did, and you certainly have those types of gedolim. and then you have other people who were rabbis. Or, 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 or Gedolin, but um, that's not the only life they had, you know. there were business people, this, that, and the other. The chayam for some reason jumps to mind. He had a full time business, import export business, you know, running, and he did this uh, chayam stuff on the side, or later when he went broke or something like that. So, you know, you know exactly what I mean. So, now from a business perspective, you have to, you know, analyze as uh, your accountant or somebody would do what's your inventory. What's your pluses? What's your minuses? And then proceed with a business plan built on that. Built on that. Otherwise, not a good business plan. It's the same thing when it comes to Judaism, whatever you want to call it. You have to have a business plan. So the business plan is going to be, I have these and these pluses, and these and these minuses. Let me work around the minuses and let me build on the pluses. That's an easy question. Now, a lot of people don't do that because most people live lives of, um, of unreflection. Socrates said, the unreflective life is a tragedy. Most people have unreflective lives, if you, if you think about it. Um, now, nothing I'm saying requires a schmooze, and they put a figure on their own. But I think it's Now, the, my point's like this. When you have pluses, and, and especially certain types of pluses, then it's a trick. Are you riding it, or is it riding you? So the guy who's sitting there in the traffic jam looking at <laughs> himself in the mirror, you know, admiring the, the view like Narcissus, uh, while everybody else is crashing, that person is, is an evid to his good looks. You see? He's not endowed with good looks. He's avid to the good looks. That's just interesting. And the good looks have priority in his life and not his own self has priority. That's very interesting. And so... What is the model the Chazal are telling us about Nova Novio? They never would have got married. They never would have gotten married. Because by definition, there's no girl that could come close to the proper yichas and so on and so forth. Now, you know, I'm not one of these Hasidic rabbis, anything is, oh, you got to marry someone with the yichas and all, and all the rest of it. But some people are like that. But if it's counterproductive, and as a result, as years go by, and you're turning this shidduch down and this shidduch then. And if you look at the Medrash it says there were. T- it says there's words in Medrash There were a ton of girls who pined away, you know, hoping for this shit, because I assumed that none of anavim must have been tall, dark, and handsome, <clears throat> right? And and I'm assuming the girls who were pining away were in the ballpark. You know what I mean? In other words, they were the type of girls who would have, who came themselves a chassid background, but not of enough. Oh. You're only the granddaughter of the Ger Rebbe, of the Belz Rebbe. Well, I'm the daughter the, I'm the son of Arad, you know, of the nephew of Moshe. You get it? You know, you think you'll be able to handle yourself against my my mother is Basamani, none of Achas Nasiun. You know, says nothing where you come from. You did. It's counterproductive. Now Hashem doesn't want that. Hashem doesn't want it. He want people to get married if they can. So what is happening? You're saying like this. I have covet. I was born with coven. And it is real coven, no question about it. I was born with Yichas, and there's no question, the Yichas I just described, like I said before, is bigger than a rabbi, Okay, <laughs> He's a son of Aaron and a nephew of Moshe. That's pretty big Yichas as far as I'm concerned. Okay, Now, uh, if it gets in the way, so that the reason you don't do what you're supposed to do is because of it, so then it's like a golden calf. Because the image of the golden calf is you're taking gold, which you should use, but You end up worshiping it, in other words, instead of you using it, it's it's using you. And many times in life, um, things like good looks, or yichas, or brains, or money, or you know, all kind of you know, advantages, uh, they can get in the way, okay? They can get in the way. Now, if you look at it by stepping back and saying, Am I doing what God wants me to do? That's an interesting question, maybe that'll lead you to make different choices. But Stammet de right, it's not that way. And according to the man who says that they were Shach the reason God killed them is because their their pride and arrogance would have gone off the deep end if they would offered a, 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 a special fire, and it would have been this Ka'bo. Then not only am I the son of Aaron and the nephew of Moshe, and the son of Elisheba, but I've got special creds with the Rabban Shalom. So there's nobody that can come close to me, literally, there's nobody on the Madrega than so close to me, literally, and the result is you just bring a lot of pain to others, and you didn't you didn't do what you're supposed to do, because in the end is the they never got married, and as I said before, it doesn't seem like they ever would have. They ever would have. We would have had a uh, a celibate priesthood way before Christianity came along, and that's not the Jewish model, as as everybody knows, right? Cohen Guttel, you know, has to have be married, even they even fix him a second wife just in case. At the beginning of Yom Kippur, you know, it says in Yuma. So, uh, it's just very interesting. According to this interpretation, none of an avi turn out to be, what's the right word? Victims of their advantages. Isn't that interesting? You understand? You become a victim of your covet. You become a victim of your good looks, which they had. You become a victim of your wealth, which they had. Uh, Wow. Wow. So then it turns out, there are no objective pluses and there are no objective minuses. It's how you use them. The person who works around his chisronis, his handicaps, whatever he's not good at, uh, look what he's done. He's t- Or she, it doesn't matter, he or she, they've taken that plus or minus and turned it into something useful to them. Okay? Uh, in other words, imagine somebody, I'm just making this up. Imagine somebody who has had uh, great looks. A very handsome guy, a very beautiful girl, something like that. And very attractive in the sense that people, you know, like them. So let's say I was tall, dark, and handsome, which I'm not. Uh, And I knew this poor guy, and he wants to hit up this uh, Gavir for money. Uh, And he won't give it to him. And let's say the guy's deserving it. So I know, since I'm tall, dark, and handsome, if I go over and talk to the guy... And 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 uh, what's the right word? You know, try to ta- uh, persuade him to give the poor guy the check. He'll do it, not because he thinks much of the poor guy, because he didn't give him before, but because he's impressed with me. So then, what did I do? I used my good looks, for a plus, to get a guy at Sedaka. You, you see what I'm saying? In other words, it's a tool. I, if it's used the right way, it can be a tremendous plus. On the other hand, you can also, like I said, be like the Romanian policeman just spend all day long thinking about great you are. Understand? And that nobody's on the right madriga to get close to you, and so on and so forth. If you go around thinking throughout your life that nobody's on madriga to get close to you, you have no friends. It's possible to go through life without friends, but that's not how we're created. The Torah does have in mind a person should go around life without friends. The Torah has in mind a community. Right? Now, you can't force somebody to be in a specific community, um, but you have to find some community. You hear what I'm saying, right? It's like saying you have to go to this school or this yeshiva. No, I mean, sometimes it's a chemistry. It works, it doesn't work. But you got to find some place. A person who's like this, by definition, I'm a loner, I can't be around anybody. That's not what it's supposed to be. So it turns out, uh, this nisrefez is a powerful, uh, metaphor. Because, um... The language of course is gufan kaim and the So that's in present tense verb. So in Hebrew, every you know, present tense verb is also an adjective. Right? Uh, you know, anigodol means I'm big, but also means I'm a godol. Uh means is descriptive word. So nishmas and the means that we're describing what happened present tense, that it came a certain point and their soul was consumed. But it also means that they were holding by Nishmas and Nisrafas. In other words, their power and their good looks and all the other privileges that they were given ended up burning their, 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 their Nishama. And therefore, when the fire came and killed them, in other words, when they just dropped dead, there was nothing but an outward manifestation of a rot that already existed inside, which is quite a statement. Which is quite a statement. And I've always had in the back of my mind, we'll never know, obviously. Vayidom Aharon is the shot, when Aaron was silent, is the shot that Aaron simply was macabre? Um, It's a terrible thing it should never happen to anybody, God forbid. God forbid. But Aaron was Makabal. That's just who he was. He was a tzaddik, you know. Or is Vayidom Aharon, is the shot Aaron said, I guess I, I, I know what happened. I know my sons were, I know what happened. And so there's no, I have no tarumas because I, I get it. You understand? Uh, and, and you know, Moshe may have sought to comfort his brother, not realizing that Aaron, Aaron was holding somewhere else. Aaron says, I you know, I think I know why this happened. Okay? Uh, in which case, the drama is excessive. I mean, it's extreme. Because you have the tremendous joy of the day. You have the uh, the terrible tragedy that strikes the people. And then you have our own saying, I get it. I mean, you know, uh, I wish they hadn't been the way they were. They brought it on themselves, as as the expression goes. Uh, That doesn't take away the pain, but it does answer the question, what was the reason for the tragedy? A lot of times, the worst part of tragedy is you don't know the reason. The human mind just yearns to find a reason. That's why so many people coming up and they'll tell you now what the Holocaust happened. I think that's stupid, but greater people than me are into this because it, I understand why. It bothers them that they're suffering without a reason. So if you want to come with a reason, the only problem with the reason is usually, the reason is you. You you made this problem. You know, all through my life I hear people give a reason, the problem is what you did, what, what they did. Whereas it's supposed to be what I did. You understand? Know I the proper way is, according to the Jewish religion, the proper way is, if this happened, I must have done something wrong. He's like what do you have to do with that tragedy? That's your job to figure it out. honestly. Uh in the case of Aaron, I think, like I said before, you'll never know. And it's a ter- and, and I'm not taking away from the tragedy over here. And I'm a cohen, so these people were my uncles, you know, going way back when. But uh I mean obviously if I'm a co- if I'm a cohen, in my family we say I'm a cohen, so I'm obviously descended not from Northern Via, they didn't have any kids. Uh but from Ella's Ernie Summer, right? So, uh, it, 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 we know what happened. It's, it's not a tragedy that made no sense. It is a tragedy that made sense. Now, th- that doesn't make it untragic, but it offers a different quality to it. Uh, I think this is the shot, like I said before, sitting here today. Of, it's a story that has many angles, and I'm sure there are other Mepharsham that can approach it from different points of view. And I'm very serious about that, because it's a very complex human story. Uh, but this is the one that makes the most sense to me. So it's a tragedy, but a tragedy with a with a twist. Anyway, with that, I once again thank the Pollock. And we wish happy birthday to their granddaughter in West Orange. And uh, as I said before, I hope somebody will be kind enough to step forward and uh, take on some of these uh, podcasts that are scheduled for next week. And with that, I bid you all a good Shabbos at home and abroad.